Hello everyone and welcome to the Power 9 Podcast, the number one MTG podcast from Singapore. My name is Mick. I'm one of your hosts alongside the future pro, Alfian Put. Hey guys. Hey. <laughs> How are you this morning, man? I'm okay. I, I woke up, went to sleep, woke up again, came here. I woke up. When I, I woke up. Yeah, uh, yeah, I woke up. I went to sleep. I woke up again. <laughs> I wake, I sleep, I wake again. So yeah, uh, very... Sounds good. Yeah, man, fasting's tough, man. I, I think it just takes... Yeah. Uh, takes speaking too much of fasting, speaking of fasting, right? What? Do you know that McDonald's, right? Uh-huh. They have this promotion for like... One, if you buy a red... If you buy a super red burger meal, uh-huh. you get another super red burger for free. Why? I don't know. It's a promotion. It ends Is like... Is that crappy? No, no. It ends tomorrow. Alright, let's do it. It's not crappy at all. It's pretty good, actually. Are you breaking fast here? Uh, no, at home. Ah, go, go eat a dick. What? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this morning I'm a little cranky. I woke up a little, a little bit too early, uh, but for good reason. Uh, we interviewed Mr. James Sue who's the author of Magic the Addiction. Uh, you'll find the interview at the end of the podcast. Uh, you'll find the interview as a separate episode itself. Or maybe not a separate episode, but just, uh, you know, if you follow our uh, iTunes feed, you know, it will pop up there. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah, interesting interview with him. Uh, you know, he's a nice guy. He has, uh, you know, his life set on straight. Legacy player. Is it? Uh, legacy players tend to be like that. You know, the, the way he wrote about himself in the book made, made himself look like a dick. Well, <laughs> he's hyper competitive, which is uh, synonymous. Interesting, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess so. Have, have you ever seen like a non, uh, you know, a non-spike player? Yeah, that's me. I'm, I'm, I'm so nice. Well, he's a competitive player, but now he's less of a spike than before, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, Do you you? identify yourself. What, what uh, you know, magic personality type do you identify with? Spike, know, Timmy, man. Johnny? Like, like, the closest one I can find is Spike because, like, there's no other, there's no other. No, but you don't behave like a Spike. Like, Spikes have to go, you know, PPTQ. Why are you doing recording the podcast? You should be bloody yeah, playing I, I should be. I should be in Superstar Gaming right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is uh, Saturday. I don't know what time does uh, SSG 12, 12, 12, start. 12, I saw. Get out of here. Go, go okay, play. It. Okay. <laughs> uh, I was looking but, at the schedule. Could I make it for... Nah, okay, whatever. Yeah, you see, then that's not Spike. That's not Spike anymore, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, you're listening to the Power 9 Podcast. Every week we have new episodes that come out on uh, our website, www.power9podcast.com. You can find new episodes and all our crazy stuff there. You can also find us on mtgcast.com. You can find us on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast listening services. Uh, if you want to get updates, you just go down to facebook.com uh, slash power9podcast because you know we release everything there. You can also check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash power9podcast. No, it's not power9podcast yet. You just need to subscribe so that the more of you subscribe, the more we can do with the channel. Nice. Just, you, you just have to search in there, power9podcast. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram where we share our fortunes. Uh, fortunes? I just took, yeah, we, we do all the MTG bling stuff. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, we just share our like uh, foils. Do you open anything from EMA? Uh, no, but I def I grab other things that other people open and then uh, <laughs> yeah, borrow it from That's them. The counter spell foil looks pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. Pretty so like my friend had one. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I like that the the, the highlight. The, 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 the yeah. ping is more ping. The ping. If you have no idea what we, what we're talking about, you know, go go look up the artwork for counter spell. Uh, and finally, you can find us on Twitter. Just tweet us at Power Nine Podcast. The nine is a number nine. So we're going to talk about addiction. Uh, we have the interview lined up at the end of the show, but first, we always start the show off with my weekend magic. Sounds good. Yeah. So Alfian, how was your weekend magic? Uh, I didn't play much magic to this week compared Why? to other weeks actually. Why? I was sick on Tuesday. Yeah, I know. You usually come on Tuesday to play the SCG <sighs> game night, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, but what happened this week? Uh, you know, things. things. Yeah. yeah. Well, sick. Yeah. Any? Did you play after that? Did you oh play yeah, I did. That? I played. I played Wednesday. Modern. I tried Modern for the first time. Oh yeah. What were you running for Modern? Eight rack. Wait, which version of eight rack? Is it the legit eight rack or the budget eight rack? The budget, the shitty budget one. Oh man! So how do you do? I had snaring bridges and thought scissors though. Oh. You had ensnaring bridges? Yeah, the shop lent me because ah, okay. they were like, oh man, running it right out, ensnaring bridges, man, you yeah, lose. Yeah. Yeah, 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 take the bridges, take the bridges. <laughs> so how many, wait, wait, do you play all four bridges? I played three. Why three? Uh, I didn't think four would be, I didn't think they'd be that important, but... I what was, do you mean you don't think I they'd be that wrong. important? <laughs> what the hell, man? Ensnaring bridges is like almost the namesake, if not for the, uh, if not for the wreck, like, yeah. But I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I, I lost every game because <laughs> I underestimated the importance of a staring bridge. Like, yeah, man. Should I set this down now? Nah, just play this first. No, no, nah, just play this first. No, and staring bridge is one of the most important cards in the deck. Uh, you know, especially uh against all the aggro decks. Uh, you know, it just stops them in their tracks. You just make them discard, 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 and then suddenly and snaring bridge on turn three, and they're stopped. And they are just preset, like actually. I played against like Delver. I discarded all his stuff. Then he turned not witness his stuff back. Timo Delver. Yeah, but uh, you know, you have um, yeah, you have Ensnar- yeah, Sorry, you have uh, Ensnaring Bridge that yeah. should stop them from attacking. That's, that's a pretty good card. Yep, that's a very good card actually. Uh, yeah. I so anything? Yeah, I put it down once. And that won you the game? Nah, he bolted me to death. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, makes sense, right? <laughs> you didn't discard his bolts? He he recorded it with Eternal Witnesses. Oh, okay. Oh, well. And Snapcasters and all that nonsense. What so he was what, playing Zoo? No, he was playing uh, uh, Tima, 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 oh, Del- Tima. No, Tima, Tima, Tima Control or Delve or something. Uh, okay. Tima Tempo, I don't know. Oh, well. Yeah, Tamo Goy's in it. Uh yeah, Tamago is quite good, but not very good against uh, ensnaring bridges. Yeah, that's better. Uh, did you play any standard? No, oh, yeah, I did on Friday yesterday. Oh okay, I played my new jank deck. Oh, what's the new jank deck? I call it Mono Blue. Oh man, how did it turn out? I actually, did quite well. Did it quite well? <laughs> yeah, okay. I did a few tweaks here and there. Um, made a few tone down on the thunder spell slightly. Did you try uh, using? The uh, colorless counter spells, oh yeah, void yeah. shatter, yeah, yeah, definitely void shatter and corrupted vo- crossroads. No, as well. I didn't have corrupted crossroads because uh, we couldn't fight them in time. Oh, okay, All yeah, right. but regardless, it turned out quite well. Now I'm thinking of putting in hydron archive because that's what everyone runs. 
Why? Oh, it draws you <laughs> cards and ramps you up to the Ulamog. The big, yeah. the big guys, yeah. yeah. Maybe remove Ruin of Conduit. Nah, no, no, no. Ruin is too good. Yeah, Ruin Ruin actually helps you uh, set set up your plays, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, you ruin... What do you put on top? Ulamog, right? Ulamog or Kozilek. Depends on the bot state and the hand state. Oh, okay. So it runs Kozilek as well. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. My friend my, my friend was testing it for me, right? Uh-huh. He, was, he was too old. The last game, right? He summoned Ulamog. He got his hand refilled. He got his Ulamog. He, no, his Kozilek yeah. got, got decked in stone. Then I was uh-huh. scared him. I'm like, huh? No counter spell. Okay, lo. Then I, asked, <laughs> let us, then I look at his hand. That's a fucking <laughs> anticipate his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Why <laughs> did you not do that? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, well. Sometimes we forget, right? Yeah, he was his first time playing standard quite a while, so yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so yeah, I myself, I got to play on, I just got to play yesterday, but I've been streaming, well, we always stream, remember, you can catch us on twitch.tv slash Judge or twitch.tv slash Games, and uh, yeah, I was streaming a lot of games on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, got to see a lot of weird vintage decks and weird modern decks, uh, especially... I especially like the red-white control with Possibility Storm in it. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, it's, it's oh, a hilarious win con. I was actually playing play against that in my Wednesday Modern. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, David Wu, right? Yeah, David Wu, David, yeah. yeah, yeah. The sad part is, I, I, I discard his hand, right? He just discards his Coronal Hawks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, he feels his know, hand with Coronal Hawks. Like, <laughs> ultimate counter, man. <laughs> Shit. Uh, yeah, it's your, it's your undoing. Like Squadron Hawks are easy to Damn. Especially Liliana's land on the board And then they tell you to discard a card and Like sure, just discard a bloody Squadron Hawk uh, So yeah Feels really bad Yep, feels bad indeed uh, But I got to play yesterday Because the WMCQ is coming up this weekend By the time you, you're hearing this uh, You know, WMCQ will be over Are you going to be playing this weekend? No, nah, I have work You have work? Yeah. God damn, man WMCQ, man, the possibility of going to the World Magic Cup. Yeah, I'm uh, fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. Whatever, man. It's not the Pro Tour, right? Aren't they both big? Uh, yeah, they're both big, but the Pro Tour is like... Bigger? Uh, yeah, because you get to fight with really the best people in the country. Are you saying WMCQ won't be the best people? You get to play against the best players in Magic on a whole. Most of them are... Well, the problem is a lot of them are American. Uh, and that really lies in the number of tournaments that the uh, hey, Americans have. Yeah, man. I wish we had more tournaments, man. Like, yeah, I wish we yeah. had more GPs around. Uh, yeah. There are a lot of GPs, but maybe Oh, I'm going to GP Guangzhou, actually. Oh, you're going to... Yeah. Oh, what's GP Guangzhou? Uh, I think it's modern. Oh, shit. Is it modern or standard? It's modern, shit. Yeah, that's fine. I'll lend you a deck. No problem. Yeah. I'll lend you some Lilianas if you want to. Oh, cool, thanks. I've only got one. Oh, shit. <laughs> I can lend you the other Lilianas <laughs> Maybe I could borrow Ryan's deck uh, What does Ryan run? Infinite Combo Mirror What? Okay, 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 okay. okay hear me out, hear me out, hear me out You know Heartless Summoning? Uh-huh. And you know uh, Fecundity? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Oh, okay, okay so Yeah, I know He's just Mirror, Mirror, Mirror Retriever into Mirror Retriever And into... draws his entire deck out Into an eventual Impact Tremors or a Grape Shot or something I don't know Yeah, bro Yeah, yep that sounds about right. Uh, but you've got to, yeah, I think your opponent needs to be really, really dense not to figure out what's <laughs> happening, right? 
Well, yeah, but whether you or not you figure it out, you know, do you have the combo in hand? It's a little hard to stop. Uh, things like ad nauseum, even ad nauseum, and uh, what was you know all the other combo decks. Like it's a little hard to stop once they once they get going. Yeah, it's like you see two and on the field. Hmm, can't be can't be anything bad. Can't be, <laughs> can't be that bad. Seems seems good. Mer retriever number one dies. It's okay. Mer retriever number two. What? <laughs> you know, you know, at the, first, the first time I was playing against the deck, right? I was like. He seems to be drawing a lot of cards and peop- t- t- a lot of things seem to be dying. <laughs> seems good. Let's see what happens next. Grave Storm and uh, Grape Shot. Great. Oh, thank you. Thank oh, you yes. so much. So that's why. Yeah, the Grave yeah. The Grave Storm will just like mill you, mill you silly and then uh, finally Grape Shot. Oh, oh good, what good, good, good shit. <laughs> good shit. Uh, but I'm playing the humans, the bun humans deck and somebody commented uh, while I was playing, it's like Mick, you've conformed. You wait, bunch humans. Shit. Yeah, in, in modern or standard? No, in standard. Oh, in standard okay. Yeah, it's like turn around and say, "Make you piece of shit. You're a sheeple now." Yeah, yeah disappointed <laughs> you, man. Hey, come on, man! You gotta play the best deck. Like, if you want a, the best shot at winning, uh, you know, play the best deck. I usually run home brews. So okay, but yeah, my home brews are okay, but they're not the best. I, I don't think Kaiche so. is running a ever after combo. Tomorrow. Oh, is that the uh, Dragon Lord Ataka Koloka? Oh, shit. No, no thanks. <laughs> I know I, I really love Saffron Olive, but uh, yeah, nope, nope. <laughs> Not that way. Alright, uh, so that's our week in magic. On to the topic of the week, which is addiction. Ooh. Ooh. I'm addicted. I'm addicted. I wish we had money so that we could... Uh, have the um, like license, licensing for songs. How much is that even? I don't know. It really depends on uh, the... Why well, you ask them nicely? They'll give it to for free. I w- yeah, I'm sure. I'm pretty <laughs> damn sure. Uh, but yeah, we, you know, in line, in conjunction with the interview that we did with Mr. James Sue about addiction, we're just going to talk a little bit about uh, how to identify gaming addiction in general. Uh, and uh, how you can solve it or how you can seek help. Uh, gaming addiction, well, there's a lot of different types of addiction. There's addiction to drugs, sex, rock and roll. Uh, I would, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I googled in how to overcome addiction. Okay. And like, uh, you know what? I'm going to Google it in right now. How to overcome addiction. And uh, there was a, an article by... Uh, Oh, where is that? That's a woman's magazine. Oh, Today's Christian Woman. What? Okay. How Overcoming Sexual Addiction. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> the, web, the, the, the article is probably okay. It's just the website that it comes from. Like, I, I, maybe I'm just stigmatizing it, but yeah. Hey. Today's Christian Woman, yeah. Hey. Oh. Uh, but yeah, there are many, many ways, uh, many, many types of addiction. Uh, but we're just going to talk about uh, video game or gaming addiction. In general, and it's different. The symptoms are actually different in teens as compared to adults. Uh, so, uh, the reason being because adults have uh, disposable income, because adults have, well, there's a lot of differences. Adults are, I guess, face different types of pressures okay. than kids do, uh, than teens do, and uh, they tend to, I guess, justify their addiction differently. 
So they react, they act differently uh, when it comes to addiction. So let's go over, let's say for teens, if you're, let's say, a mom or you're maybe even just a shop owner, a concerned citizen, and you see uh, some kids playing like magic cards like a little way too often. Okay. Uh, How often is often? Well, often is, is pretty damn often. Uh, we'll go through it in a while. I come here every week. Am I addicted? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Uh, but here are the symptoms. Uh, preoccupation. Someone who is addicted to computer video or internet gaming. Uh, we, we picked this off uh, for internet gaming. Uh, but this definitely applies to Magic the Gathering. I've seen it happen before. If you? Yeah. You're lucky. Yeah, I just have to look in the mirror. <laughs> oh. uh, someone who's addicted to computer video or internet gaming often exhibits an unusual preoccupation with the game. Uh, they're distracted, irritable, disinterested, uh, may only like talking about the game. Uh, they also downplay the amount of time that they spend. Uh, there's a lack of control. This one is very important, the loss of time. Uh, along the same lines, a person may sit down at his computer again with the intent to spend only a few minutes but completely lose track of time and suddenly find that several hours have passed. Man, that's me when playing Overwatch. Yeah, the lack of control and the loss of time, right? Yeah. Lack of control is about, uh, yeah, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to play like one, two games and then suddenly you find yourself, eh, you know, th- those two games were kind of short. You give yourself excuses. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, you know, I lost that game. You know, I got to come back in this one. Uh, same goes with like Dota. Oh, I yeah, understood that, like that too, that too, yeah. some players don't go to sleep until they win a game of Dota. Yes, that that is hard. That is uh yeah, hard beans, man. It's I used some, to play Dota. Yeah, sometimes oh man, was it bad? It wasn't bad, I just played it casually. My friends said, Hey, I'll play Dota, like okay, sure. Yeah. That's that's the thing. So that's not uh lack of control loss of time. But I know I see the Overwatch uh, oh, yeah, Overwatch, yeah, creeping. Uh, negative impact on other areas of life, you know, uh, your homework goes unfinished, uh, you know, other areas of life are neglected. Uh, hiding from negative or uncomfortable feelings or situations. Uh, this one is an interesting one. Okay, okay. Uh, when you're confronted with, um, you know, something that is difficult in your life as a kid, you know, you use this as an escape. And I have, uh, you know, I have done this before uh, when... Uh, you know, when my parents got divorced, I think I spent, or maybe not my parents got divorced, but before that, you know, uh, bad things happened in my life. And uh, I found myself, you know, just playing a game over and over and over again. Uh, and, you know, get being, my life being detrimented by that. If detrimented is a word. Uh, uh, my life being <laughs> affected by that badly. Okay, so, yeah. okay. Uh, so the person may hide uh, in a game as a method of avoidance or, you know, just trying to uh, quote-unquote self-medicate. Okay. Uh, defensiveness is also a big issue when confronted or asked about how much time is spent gaming. They often get defensive uh, and sometimes might even lie. Uh, and Ooh. misuse of money. Well, kids don't have that much money, but if they do, like they use it on the games... Uh, you know, used to pay for, well, if it becomes story a cash card. Oh ah. yeah, exactly. Uh, and this is even this is even worse in adults. Uh, when they have a billions of money to spend. Yeah, when they have money to spend, and that money was supposed to be meant for you know stuff basics like uh the bills to grow, 
you know, groceries, other necessities. Uh, same goes, let's say, with shopping addiction, where people like tend to buy too many clothes uh, and overspend and not be able to like pay their you know just normal like okay. phone bills okay. and electricity bills. Uh, and finally, this mixed feelings. Uh, as with any addiction, the use of the substance, and in this case, the substance is a video game, initially causes euphoric feelings, but that euphoria is quickly followed by guilt. Okay, guilt may be felt either over what the person is doing while online or simply just the amount of time that they spend at the computer. So yeah, if you do notice this in your kids or you do notice this in uh, younger players, you might want to... Uh, be alarmed and uh, at least approach them and you know take a look at you know assess the problem yeah uh, whereas for adults it's slightly different adults um, because they have this thing called self-control self-control quote unquote yeah, yeah I'm, I'm putting it there tusk tusk uh, the list for self-adults is actually a lot smaller because uh, you know yeah you're an adult you can think for yourself god yeah, damn it Lord. <laughs> Again? Maybe? Can you? Uh, yeah, lying about how much time you spend playing a computer, uh, playing computer or video games. So, uh, That's just pretty obvious. Out- outright lying. Yeah. Yeah. It's not being defensive about it. It's like, you know, when your mom, uh, back when, you know, they told you, you know, computer games is bad for you, and then you'll be like, no, man, computer games improve dexterity. And, uh, uh, I, I, I never took in that bullshit. Oh, you never? You, you never really? There's like studies showing that. Uh, I never used that shit, but like. Well, you should have. Uh, that's that's being want, defensive why about I want it. To, man? Does uh, it sound accurate to me? Well, it. I well, I think slight, it does. Like, yeah, accurate, you look at StarCraft players, like how how fast. Oh, she has like three hundred APM shit. Right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, not gonna help your typing skills though. You only just go like one two three one two three one two three. One two three control A. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, adults tend to just lie. You know, they don't they don't defend themselves. It's just like no, I just spend like one two. I just play one two games of. Of uh, Overwatch, one too um, many games. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, playing computer or video games results in intense feelings of pleasure or guilt that seem uncontrollable. Uh, despite having some form of self control, I think adults tend to take things a little too far, especially when they feel that uh, they can justify it. I think. Uh, spending more and more time playing video and computer games just to get the same enjoyment, and this you can see like uh, drug addicts. You know, you have to take bigger amounts of a certain drug to get okay. the same effect. Uh, you should know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my doctor. Oh man, this way. Yeah. <laughs> it's going my, too deep. It's going my too doctor deep. keeps prescribing me. Uh, no, I I take painkillers for my back, oh. and I've realized that I've upgraded my painkillers over the years. I know, right? <laughs> to yeah, to something to deal with the pain. Uh, withdrawing from friends, family, or your spouse. To the point of disrupting family, social, or work life. Uh, that's very difficult. Experiencing feelings of anger, depression, moodiness, anxiety, or re- uh, restlessness when you're not gaming. This one, I think adults tend to uh, subconsciously. Uh, subconsciously, yeah, yeah. It's, in, it's in your mind. You don't talk about the game, but like you do feel uh, a little, you know, you do feel a little anxiety. 
spending significant sums of money for online services uh, in the game in the game in the game uh, yeah oh. uh, computer upgrades or gaming systems you know just to mm. it, it feels more like a midlife crisis type of yeah, deal maybe. yeah uh, and finally, thinking obsessively about being on the computer or playing video games, even when doing other things. And this might not be voiced out. This may actually be something internalized, but uh, definitely a feeling like that. So if you notice this in yourself, uh, oh yeah, in addition to that, adults actually uh, may have physical symptoms. For example, difficulty in sleeping. Uh, migraines, back and neck aches, dry eyes, or carpal tunnel syndrome. And oh, this has oh. happened. Yeah, CPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I've seen people have, have yeah. that before. Carpal tunnel, well, that one's normal. I mean, if you play with, uh, what you call it, we play with a controller. Yeah, yeah. Uh, carpal tunnel, I think, affects both uh, young and the Wait, old. What's, what's the exact, what's, what's it exactly again? I can't really remember. Something involved with the eyes. Uh, dry eyes? No, carpal tunnel syndrome. Carpal tunnel syndrome, no. Carpal tunnel syndrome is a painful condition of the hand and fingers caused by compression of a major nerve where it passes over the oh, basically carpal you're bones. You're straining the, the muscles hand. too much? Yeah, uh, basically okay. it's your thumb. Uh, it's in front of the wrist um, and it may be caused by continual repetitive motions, oh, movements yeah, yeah. or by fluid retention. Of course, in Magic the Gathering, I don't think that's an issue because if you are putting a lot of pressure on that, you're also destroying your cards. Yeah, why uh, <laughs> But things like back aches, you know, neck aches from playing for too long, for sitting down too long, uh, definitely do come up. So you you need to watch for that. Uh, you know, sometimes you, they exhibit uh, things like not eating, not showering, not shaving, uh, or, you know, they, they don't, take care of their basic hygiene. Ew. So, yeah, thing, do things like those? this do... Wow, I've, I've smelled some. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I, have, I haven't. I haven't. I've smelled some before. Uh, so, yeah, these are warning signs that you may need to seek help. Uh, there are some, you know, general warning signs at the home, at, at home and at work. At home, you know, uh, people do tend to just ignore their spouses. Uh, or ignore their family. They, you know, they shut in. Uh, they spend more time on the computer, or the on the video game, or spend more time, spend more screen time. And in this case, if we're talking about Magic: The Gathering, uh, either playing Magic online, or just you know, not just just not playing at all, uh, or not interacting with their family, mm. uh, or at work when a person is hooked on computer and video games, her work performance often suffers. Either they're falling asleep at work, they're missing assignments. Uh, and before playing at work. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or even just playing at work, uh, which can, you know, even put you under a lot of uh, scrutiny. There might be disciplinary action or even termination. So as okay. an adult, yeah, you don't have, you don't really have parents to, to guide you, right? Unless your boss tells you you're playing too much and then you get fired. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's a parent thing. Mobile, mobile phones, mobile phone games too. I, think I this, don't know, this man. They, 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 don't, they don't seem that hardcore to me. I just play on the oh, train. Yeah, they don't seem too hardcore, but some people do take it a little too far. A yeah. lot of Clash Royale. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so if you're an adult and you do notice these symptoms, please go you know, seek some help or at least evaluate uh, Evaluate what, your life. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, or if you do see in a family member, you know, you can just approach them and you know, ask, you just talk talk to them about it. I think adults are rational enough. Uh, it might take some persuasion, uh, not in the form of fists, but uh, yeah, <laughs> just just talk, just talk, yeah. Just tell them, yeah. Uh, so how do you combat this? So how exactly do you combat this? And this is uh, really funny. I found a WikiHow article. Okay. Oh, like those are ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Those are well. It's it's not ridiculous, but uh, they don't really explain things all too well. There's eight steps uh, to overcome gaming addiction right, with with pictures. Oh, that's serious. That's Oh, serum. yeah, man. All right, right. Yeah. Uh, so there's part one of three. So part one is how do you overcome gaming ad- uh, gaming obsession? Uh, step one: Discover how deep your addiction has become. Okay, okay. Uh, which is legit. Uh, you know, when I, as what I know for uh, people addicted to drugs, the first thing is to acknowledge that you have a problem, okay. and then you know find out how deep the how bad the problem is. So yeah, just um, discover how deep your addiction has become. Uh, try cutting down on the amount you spend. On your PC, Xbox, PS3, whatever. Xbox, yeah, Xbox 360. Those, uh, Sorry, Xbox, Xbox 360, Xbox One, PS3, PS4, whatever. Uh, you know, and you can just like cut down. Oh, sorry, part two. Reducing the time spent on gaming and they, they offer you some advice. Just reduce, just try cutting down. Like, how? Uh, replace your gaming time slots with physical sports. Uh... <laughs> sure like, like boxing and shit boxing. Uh, get, your, get, get support from family and friends I'm sure as a teenager or even as an adult you want to just approach your parents or like other friends and say dude I've got a gaming addiction no I don't think that's that's entirely that's how it works man Part three of three. This one's good. Going cold turkey. This one is she? hilarious, man. Oh yeah, I'm in the article right now too. Yeah. Uh, make your gaming device impossible to reach. Give it to your parents <laughs> and then they'll put it in like some extremely high shelf. I'm sure you're not going to find a ladder or some dangerous way to climb that. Uh, that you know, if your addiction, if your addiction like... Is that bad already? I'm pretty sure you'll find a way to get it back. Right? Yeah, exa- exactly. Uh, find something else to do, such as scheduling activities with friends, finding a job, temporary or permanent, or playing sports. Uh, yeah, easier said than done, my friend. Uh. Uh, <laughs> number three, wait at least 30 days before playing a game. That's I'm way sure. too many days. That's yeah, way that's, too many days, man. Uh, that is actually... Okay, so this is true. Uh, this is the average period it takes to break or break a habit addiction or make one. So if you're playing 30 days straight, you're probably addicted. Uh, it, it will put you in the habit. So if you don't want to, if you want to break a habit, for example, uh, you know, I bite my nails. Okay. So if I want to stop biting my nails, I just stop, uh, you know, try stopping for 30 days. Okay. Uh, and it will curb your, you know, curb your addiction. Break. Maybe it won't cure, won't, it won't stop you from not playing it, but yeah, it will curb it. And finally, when you get your device back, try your best not to play it for a week while you have it. Uh, Easier said than uh, done, don't you think? Uh, uh, but yeah, I love the WikiHow. Um, <laughs> uh, cit- uh, 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 see number three, right? There's this citation needed right there. Well, oh, there's a citation? Yeah, a citation Oh, needed. citation needed, right, right. Uh, But there's a better guide from uh, siteguides.com. 
Uh, this one is about uh, how to treat video game. Uh, or it gives you the options, and I think the best of the options is, of course, um, uninstall the game, man. <laughs> no, no, don't go cold turkey. But identify the, the number one thing is actually to identify to step back and to realize that you actually do have an addiction. Uh, this is not like some uh, drug addiction podcast. By uh, <laughs> stop, think. Do you spend twenty years? Uh, they have a. <laughs> there are quizzes online. Which okay, so if you think you are addicted, there are quizzes online, uh, which allow you to identify how deep your uh, addiction is. Okay, uh, and it's very important that you do take some of that. Uh, if you think you're addicted, you probably are. Uh, do take the quiz and find out how bad it is. Sometimes it's not so bad. It's not as bad as you think. And some people are very paranoid. Maybe it's just casual addiction. Uh, well, addiction is addiction all the same, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah so, <laughs> is there a cure? So, the, the big question, is there a cure for video game addiction? So, there's definitely treatment. Okay, so there's no real cure. I can't give you a pill. Uh, well, I can't give you a pill because I'm a, not a doctor. So I can't give you a pill, you know, full stop. <laughs> uh, but nobody can give you a pill just to just to solve the addiction. It might be Even, invented. Well, yeah, it might be invented. Even if you got like ADD or ADHD uh, or some kind of, uh, you know... Um, well, AD, no, ADHD will probably prevent your addiction. But, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> probably ADD, yeah. Uh, or, you know, some form of addictive personality uh, will definitely get you addicted to, to games or to certain, uh, certain stimuli. Uh, that, you know, there are pills to help. There, there is medicine to help. There is treatment to help. But there is no cure. I don't think so. Uh, it, and it's hard. I I understand that it's extremely extremely hard just to tell oneself, you know, not be, you know, try not to be addicted. But uh, the first step is always identifying the problem, and uh, you know, just seeking help for it. And uh, yeah, there are better people than I, who who can offer you better exact uh, advice. Look online, man. Yeah. Uh. Well, online online's not the best place. I, I have to say, uh, there's always the doomsday theories online, right? Yeah. No. No. That's, that's, those are legit, man. Did <laughs> oh, I watch the movie 2012? Uh. No. I actually did not. All what? I know is, yeah, I did not watch the movie 2012. Oh I did not want it to end that way. Not like this. That's a historical classic, man. <laughs> Uh, it came out before. Did it come out before twelve, twelve, twelve? Yeah, it came out in twenty eleven. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, it came out in twenty eleven. I thought it came out in twenty twelve. Like no, 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 no. It came out before, man. I okay. remember very clearly. It's a it's a Christmas movie. No, like sometime before that, <laughs> like maybe mid the mid year. Oh, okay. Uh, there's a, uh, one great place you can go is Online Gamers Anonymous. I think they offer great help there if you really do need it. In Singapore, there is uh, there's one place where I need to how to overcome addiction. Uh, there's one place in Singapore. There's a website in Singapore. I forget what it is. I didn't know actually. Uh, the cabin Singapore. dot com. dot It sounds familiar, but I can't put my finger on it. Uh, well, it it helps with a lot of different types of addiction. Uh, alcohol addiction, gambling, food addiction, food addiction. Yep. Oh shit! Hey, you know, you, uh, people, you know the the cliche where people say, you know, I'm unhappy when I eat. 
I eat when I'm unhappy. Uh, so yeah, uh, there are many many places to go. Um, you know, and there are many many actually many types of therapeutic methods. Okay, okay. so there's no there's no real solution, but uh, you know, you undergo the treatment that is best for you. Uh, and that actually helps. I think. Uh, for me, it was just you know approaching friends and just making time for, uh, getting. For me, it was just understanding that there is some form of addiction, and then going to talk to somebody about it, and that helped a lot. I mean, you can't solve a problem if you don't know it's there. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. That, you know, you have to identify that there are yeah, symptoms, and don't be in denial about it. I think being honest is especially uh, critical. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we are in a lot of self-denial, uh, especially as, as magic players. Uh, you know, <laughs> I can't believe I drew that. I can't believe you drew that. What the shit? Yeah, I can't believe they drew. I can't believe I, got, I drew like my worst matchup, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can't believe I have like my worst matchup like three games in a row and that took me out of the GP straight. Did so, it? Uh, no. Yeah, my GP runs are always are always f- freaking fantastic. Wait, really? How 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 did uh, like? No, I I'll go like four four zero and five zero and then lose the next three games or something like that. Uh, Sorry for and loss. Then, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, or the best ones are you know I win one lose one win one lose one and then win 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 all the way to the last game. So it's the, it it's down to the ninth round. It's the last game. If okay. I win this, I'm in. And I just lose it straight out. Sorry like, for I always meet the <laughs> opponent who's got just the the best ever hand or you know the best ever deck. So, yeah. Can't can't say I'm I'm can't say I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so I think that's enough about gaming. Here we're gonna splice in uh, the interview with James Sue about his book Magic: The Addiction, which you can find on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. So, uh, and we'll be back. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a special segment of the show. Here with me on the line, we have Mr. James Sue, the author of Magic the Addiction, which just came out. Uh, hi, James. Hello. Hey, uh, all right, so for the folks at home, uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Let's start with who you are, where you're from, what you do, and uh, how long you've been playing Magic. Yeah, so my name is James Sue, and I currently work in the tech industry, but I have a love of writing and writing and playing Magic in general. So I've been playing Magic since I was about 12 or 13 years old. So that would have been for about 20 years off and on. And so that's basically a little bit about me. Uh, What's your favorite format? Uh, I've read the book already, so I know. uh... (laughs) It's got to be the legacy format. I've been playing legacy competitively for quite a number of years, and I really enjoy the ability to use old cards and the power levels of the format in general. Yeah, I've recently been covering vintage, and uh, yeah, I definitely agree. The power level is... uh... There is no ceiling to the power level. Well, besides the power nine. Yeah. yeah, the vintage is just absolutely insane. I mean, judging by the name of this podcast, it's something that you guys are into. <laughs> but uh, legacy is, I guess, the next best thing after that. So, 
That's the red herring. We don't uh, talk about vintage at all. <laughs> I know, but it's such a cool name, so uh, it's very attractive. <laughs> uh, all right. So, um, yeah, d- before we s- begin with all the questions, uh, I've read the book. I want to review the book. I think it's very well written. Uh, you know, I like the... Well, I like the stories that you tell, and uh, it's definitely not for uh, just an MTG audience. So, uh, you know, why do you call it the uh, magic, the addiction? You know, it clearly does uh, have references outside the game. And I think it definitely relates to people who don't play Magic the Gathering. So, uh, yeah, why the, you know, why, why so much relation to Magic? Sure. So I wanted to write about my experiences as a competitive gamer. And magic just happened to be one of the things that I was really into as a child and still am right now. I, in the book, I talk about how I, because of my competitive nature, I got into other things that I could not quite get out of, such as poker and basketball and other things I was super competitive in. Magic happened to be one of the outlets. And so that's basically why I wrote the book, is I wanted to be thematically about competition, overcome competition, in a healthy way, mentally and mindset-wise. And so that's why I wanted to write the book, uh, Calling a Magic the Addiction, because there is some fine line between, at least for me, addiction and obsession and competition. But I wanted to be speak to the general uh, theme of being competitive. I see. Uh, you started out the book having quite a negative slant to it already. Uh, which surprised me because usually when we talk about Magic the Gathering, or at least when Watsi talks about Magic the Gathering, it's all, you know, cheerful, happy, uh, you know, miracles and and stuff like that. But you started off with a very, very dark tone. Uh, so, you know, what exactly is the message behind your book and what, you know, what are you trying to convey uh, to the reader? I'm basically trying to convey to the reader my experiences in the game. Although they're my personal experiences, I feel that everybody, every Magic player or gamer has these symptoms when they play a game competitively. It's basically what happens when you start to care too much and it starts to take over various parts of your life. So the book is not meant to be a entirely negative examination of Magic the Gathering. In fact, I'm still playing Magic today, and the book does have somewhat of a <laughs> happy ending, but what I tried to do was talk about the balance that I had to take when I played the game. So there are some highs, there are some happy moments, there are also some lows, there are some down moments. And so I wanted it to be an accurate uh, depiction of my experiences you know whether it, whether it's the good times or the bad times i wanted to take the reader through that and through this sort of journey that i had myself i have tried to generalize the list of learnings and experiences so that hopefully someone who reads the book can learn from what i've learned and not go down the same uh dead ends that i may have gone down um, so that's what I really try to do is talk about my experiences in a very realistic and factual way and also try to generalize the learning so that they can be applied to anybody who is overly competitive, if you will. Mm. 
yeah, I definitely like uh, the way you, you know, the last chapter or the last part of the book where you sum up uh, basically everything that you've learned into, well, almost three sentences, uh, but we'll talk about that later. All right, so what was the uh, impetus to write the book and uh, share on the subject matter? I like that it's uh, a personal experience and that, uh, you know, you're, you do represent the, I guess, everyday Joe. You know, uh, you know, it's not talking about the pros, but you definitely play on a competitive and uh, professional level. So, uh, yeah, what was, uh, you know, what made you write the book, or you know, what was your inspirations for the book? Yeah, the real spark for me to write the book was the really negative time that I had about two years ago. So I went to, in fact, this is in the book too. I went to Grand Prix New Jersey to play in the Legacy GP. And I had gone, I had decided that I was going to go there all the way from Beijing to New Jersey. I would literally just fly there for, sit there for three, four, five days, play in the tournament, make day two, do fairly well by my standards and come back. And I put myself mentally all in, in terms of wanting to do really well. And through no fault, but nobody's fault but my own. I didn't do so well. I scrubbed out of day, day one. Uh, I, I went to the New Jersey uh, area. I didn't even, I, I closed myself in mentally. So I didn't even go with any of my buddies. I had some friends who were going to go from Canada and other parts of the world, but they couldn't go at the last minute. So I decided I was going to do this on my own. I was going to sit in the convention center for two days and I was just going to play magic. I, I even decided not to seek out my friends who were in the New Jersey, New York area because I wanted to be focused on magic. And so the experience I had was I dedicated myself entirely to try to do well in the tournament. I prepared a lot when I was in Beijing, but it didn't go so well. And, oh, the other thing was I had turned down vacation time with my girlfriend. So she had wanted to go to Thailand, and I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't go to Thailand with you. I have to go to New Jersey to play Magic. So there were all these kind of <laughs> all these kind of things that made the final result very unsatisfying. And so I was very frustrated with myself because I didn't do so well and I had invested a lot into doing this and doing well. And so I started writing a little bit about my experience there. It started off as just a series of blog posts and I shared it with some friends and some people online and it was really just it had even a more negative tone than the final book it was just oh, I really don't like this game I think it's uh, it's done a lot of bad for me and I want to quit magic forever <laughs> so, so that's kind of how it started but what happened was I shared the the initial writings with some of my friends and they said this is really interesting this is something that not a lot of people write about even if they feel this inside and so you should consider making it into something a little bit more full length and that's sort of how I began writing it as a book if you will All right so there were definitely people pushing you to write the book yeah yeah definitely and i really so in the book acknowledgments i tried to acknowledge some of my friends there i really really feel like i could not have written this book without their support and encouragement i think that's one of the things i recognize through writing the book is how powerful the magic is and sort of reflecting back on it how community is important period to any game not just magic 
And so that was really a big wake-up call for me. I know it sounds kind of silly to say, uh, and we all kind of know it because we hang out with friends when we play and when we talk about magic, but I didn't fully understand it until I started writing that that was probably the single most important reason to play the game and why I still play the game. I see. Uh, so in the first two chapters, you mentioned that your type of person is someone with an addictive personality. So have you ever taken a personality test? Uh, so what type were you then and what type are you now? <laughs> I didn't take a formal uh, test. What happened was, I, even though I had always been focused, obsessed, addicted to certain games at certain points in time, I've also had self-awareness. So even as I was spending 8, 10, 16 hours a day on thinking about something, I kind of knew I was thinking about it, but I, I sort of diagnosed myself without having to take tests. And just from knowing people who have similar personality traits, but I, I never quite took the test. No, I just sort of knew that I was addicted or obsessed about something, but the activity itself was still so fulfilling and so and fun enough that I, I, I kept up with it. But I would say that over the years, especially now, over the past five to ten years, I've mellowed out a little bit. So even though I know that I have an addictive personality, I I know what not to do, uh, <laughs> knowing enough to battle. So for example, I went to new games like WoW or Hearthstone because I know I'll just be super addicted to it if I if I try. Oh, so, <laughs> so yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So well, definitely now you can see it objectively, yeah, uh, which is great. Uh, did you come up with... Alright, there's one chapter where you came up with different characterizations of players that you've met throughout the game. So did you come up with that yourself? Because all of them are hilarious uh, and all of them are very true. Okay. Uh, I came up with all of them myself, yes. I really was speaking from my own personal experience and just from over the years as I played. So just for the listeners, I mean... I talk about people who are overly entitled, people who would rather play solitaire than to play the opponent because they just build a SimCity deck, they just want to do some cool thing on their own. I talk about people who are uh, the equivalent of poker players, they're always complaining about bad luck and bad beats. Uh, so actually, I came up with all, all these archetypes on my own, but what's really interesting is that when I was sharing part of the writing with Reddit and the Magic community... <laughs> When it was a blog post, this was the most controversial part of the book. In fact, I have friends say, you should probably not write this into the book. But in the end, I decided that it was real. It was, it was real experiences and real people. Um, well, I talked about people without actually saying their actual names. But it, yeah. it, Chuck, right? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, in Portugal, we just call them me, me, me. Me, me, me. Okay. <laughs> Every time they, they go on like, oh, I had a bad draw or like, you know, my opponent just drew the right thing at the right time and be like, me, 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 me. So. Right, right. <laughs> and it's, it's a challenge because the players who are like that, they never seem to get better, right, as a competitive player. They just talk about their bad luck instead of thinking about what they could have done better. And that really separates people who level up versus people who, who don't. <laughs> so... 
that's actually very true. Uh, if you, you know, if you attribute everything to luck, then uh, you know this is well. The game wouldn't feature the top players in the top ranks all the time, right? Exactly, and also people are not really aware sometimes that they have had lots of cases of good luck too. So sometimes mm. you don't see. Oh sure, you know, there's a game where I mulligan a three and I had really bad luck, but there might be a game where the opponent mulligans the three or you had a very good draw. And people never seem to take a very balanced view. And so the way I talk about these characters is just a way to be honest, but at the same time have a little bit of fun and talk about players. And hopefully someone who reads this section can have a little self-awareness of their own. So, yeah. Just laugh at yourself, you know, once in a while. I'm glad... You definitely left that chapter in because uh, that's one of the most entertaining parts that I've that I've read in Magic: The Gathering in uh, you know quite a while. <laughs> Thank you. I wanted to be very. I wanted it to be like I said. I wanted the book to be about the good and the bad and the ugly. So <laughs> I wanted to be very factual. I didn't want to leave anything out. Uh, there's one chapter that you dedicated entirely to Matt, and I like that you did that. Uh, maybe you can tell the people at home an idea of who Matt is. Sure. Matt is a really good friend of mine. And we, in fact, he was the first person that I, I, I met when I started playing competitively, especially, particularly legacy competitively. Matt's just had, I'm sure all of us have, have somebody like this, somebody who's... So over the years, as I've drifted in and out of magic and I moved to a new country... I've always kept in touch with him. He's been very encouraging to me. He's you know, a lot of things about magic, but also non-magic. We've become really good friends. And so I really wanted to dedicate a chapter of the book on him. Not just on him, but also as an example of how good, how great the magic community can be. I think all of us have a friend who has kept us in the game. Uh, one of the points that I tried to make is that it's all about who you hang out with when you play Magic. You know, if you have a great community, you will continue to play the game because you'll feel excited to go every week, every month to a tournament, or play at someone's house. But if you don't have that connection, you will drift out of the game. I think it's very natural. And I think it really, it, it's really why perhaps you and I are still in the game and others are not. And so I really wanted to pay homage to all the people in the community who have kept other players in the game. And that's essentially who Matt was to me. Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you that, uh, you know, community is definitely a big part of it, which is, you know, why we're working with uh, a few, you know, a few friends of mine just to build up a community and uh, maintain a community. Because, yeah, like you mentioned in the book, like the the make or break for a game is the community. And uh, you were playing Star Wars uh, CCG earlier on. Yes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you did mention that the community was, you know, inviting and, you know, that they they made you come back to play the game, uh, not because of the game, but because, you know, of interactions that you had with them, yeah? Oh, absolutely. I mean, just... Think about every kid who starts playing Magic or another game when they go into a card store for the first time. It's often amazing how they end up playing the game for 10 years after that, or they just stop playing after the first time they go into the store when somebody says something negative or disparaging. I mean, it's a huge difference in terms of 
how the community should treat players, especially new players, because new players are the only way that you can get more interest in the game. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we were just talking about kids last week, and uh, yeah, we definitely need to treat treat kids uh, slightly different from uh, you know from adults. You know, we need to bring them into the game and make them feel comfortable. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. But I would say that even adults too. I think um, you know we all know people also in in our twenties and thirties who drifted from magic. Of course, there's life reasons, but sometimes there can also be unpleasant things happening when you're playing a game of Magic or in a tournament. So I think as players, we should all try to just be good people to everybody, regardless of who it is. So. Generally good people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, there was, um, you know, there's one quote that, uh, you know, I have uh, that, uh, how do I put this? It struck me. Uh, as well, something that I that I live by. You mentioned that the more well-rounded your life is outside of magic, the more fruitful your magic career will be. So when did you come to this realization? I think it was just experience and practice. So it's not like something that I woke up one day and I thought, wow, that's really the the key to success in magic. Uh, but it's really just, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's more like a eventual realization because through my own experiences, I realized that, for example, the New Jersey incident, this is when I put myself mentally all in and I didn't do so well. I put a lot of pressure on myself. But if I can go into every match and every tournament and just think in terms of, hey, you know, I prepare for this thing. I'm giving it a very honest focus try and let the chips fall where they may or let the cards fall where they may i think when you do that it's often a lot better and also going back to some of my friends like matt my my good friend he is somebody who used to put a lot of stress on himself to do well and he would be disappointed if he did not do well but also through observing friends such as matt i've seen how over the years in recent years He's had a more well-rounded thing outside of Magic. He ends up mm-hmm. performing better, like actual results-wise. And so I think it's, I call it a paradox, but it really, uh, maybe it's not even a paradox. It's just something that when you have a more well-rounded view, you put less pressure on yourself and you just end up doing better because you don't, you're not all in on something, so... Uh, one of your messages in the book: Don't go all in on magic. Yeah. Uh, or don't. Yeah. Go in on the <laughs> yeah. Game. I, I think so. I mean. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think three years was it three years ago that you moved to China? Actually, it's been about four and a half years. So when oh, I was writing the book, it was uh, a little bit farther back. So yeah, it's been a, it's been almost five years for me in China. Okay. So. Uh, when you moved to China, you told yourself, well, you gave yourself one year off. Okay? And then you told yourself, uh, you know, I'm going to play Magic sparingly. Uh, I'm only going to play when, it, uh, you know, when I go to the States. Your reason being, uh, yeah, you don't want to you know, invest that much time. Uh, did drafting ever come into the picture uh, as a way to play the game sparingly without having to practice? You know, I considered drafting at some point and I had drafted in the past 
But I chose yeah. not to draft when I was in China because I also knew that drafting was very skill intensive. So even though there was not much of a financial investment, I knew that to get good at draft with good players, you also have to do it quite a lot. So it probably would not have been enough to draft once a month. And knowing the type of player I am, I, if I were to go into a format for the first time, or because if I were drafting again, I would not. I would have to be acquainted with the new sets and new blocks. I would probably feel that I would have to practice a lot more in the beginning to to reach that stage. And so that's kind of the reason why I stayed away from drafting. And I con continued to play Legacy because I thought, okay, I had a fairly good handle on the decks that I was already playing, and the format doesn't change as much compared to draft or standard or some of the other formats. Uh, okay. All right. So that makes sense. Uh, Alright, so with regards to your final questions and your framework at the end of the book, I'm not going to spoil it for people. Uh, you know, there, there have been a lot of articles uh, written out there. The one that I like, uh, Sean McLaren, it's entitled Seven Magic Principles for Peak Performance. It embraces the same values uh, that you've shared in the book. So are there any certain writers in the MTG community uh, that were the inspiration for the book, or is this just based off your, uh, you know, solely of your experiences? I think there are some. There have been some excellent articles on having the right mindset and approach for magic. I would say that in recent memory, PV Paulo Vitor uh, from Brazil, you know, Hall of Famer PV. He's written for Channel Fireball, and I think a lot of his writing has really resonated with me. They didn't go directly. I didn't go directly. I wasn't directly influenced by his writing, but I thought that the way he analyzed situations and also about people, your your mindset as a player had a had an indirect influence. There was another writer. I don't know if you know him, CML Chris Morris Lent. He wrote about winning magic on while he was on on shrooms on mushrooms. And he's also written a few pieces about the negative sides of magic. I think there was one called The Pro Tour Sucks. And he's actually been a really big influence on me just because, not not directly in terms of stylistically or content-wise, but he made me realize that, hey, it's okay to talk about the negative dark side of magic because magic is a very corporate-driven game. They want to accentuate or highlight the positives of the game because obviously they want to sell more product and more... You know, get more players, you know, play, uh, play more magic, travel the world, have fun, that kind of thing. But <clears throat> Chris, or CML, was writing about the negative aspects of doing that. And so that was a huge inspiration for me and made me realize that, hey, I could try to do something like that as well as, you know, write about a more well-rounded view, not entirely negative, but talk about the bad as well as the good. Yeah, I'm glad that somebody, uh, you know, does pick up on this because... I don't think we talk about the negative aspects of the game as much as, uh, well, one would like. You know, people should be aware that, uh, you know, such demons do exist. And, uh, and the, you know, the more we know, the better we are for it, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's a difficult challenge because that stuff doesn't sell. <laughs> so if you're a magic website and you're trying to sell cards or promote the game, it's very difficult to have that kind of conversation with the reader or the listener. But I felt that the other way that CML influenced me was that he was able to 
combine magic with things that were going on outside of magic. And so that's also what I tried to do is, you know, I, I want to talk about magic, but I also want to talk about basketball. I want to talk about things. I'm not trying to take focus away from the magic narrative, but I realized through writing it that competition is competition. And so we're all competitive about something. Sometimes it just happens that magic is one of the things. So. Uh, very well said. Uh, okay, so uh, we're going to wrap up here, but before we go, we'd like to find out where we can find your book and uh, any of the other things that you are doing right now. Sure. So you can find my book on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle editions. So if you just search for Magic the Addiction on Amazon, you should be able to find it. You can also reach out to me through my Twitter account. So James underscore HSU. You can definitely tweet me and I'll get back to you. There's another project that I've been working on, a new podcast that I've launched where I talk to Magic players about their life and their competitive journeys. It's called Humans of Magic, and it's also available on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. So check that out if you have time. All right, excellent. Uh, so yeah, thanks for coming on to the show and sharing about your book. We highly, highly recommend this book uh, if you are... Well, even if you're not on a competitive journey, you know, the lessons that you learn in uh, Magic the Gathering and, you know, just competition in general, this book covers them all uh, and, you know, written from a very personal standpoint, uh, which is what I like a lot. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for coming on to the show. Thank you and thanks for having me. Welcome back. Um, hey guys. Yeah, we <laughs> we took a break. We took a long break for the interview. Like about half an hour, right? Totally, man, totally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The magics of editing. Uh, Shaking my head. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to end the episode right here. Well, if you do have an addiction, uh, gaming or otherwise, you know, if you're not playing magic, uh, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but it's okay. If you do have an addiction, you Maybe know, our please. Maybe are just nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people yeah. like to listen to us. Uh, people like to put us on so that they can go to sleep. ASMR, ASMR style. Oh, actually, that might be a thing. Hi, this is the ASMR podcast. Hi, guys. Yeah, we flick cards like to... Let me get my cards out. Yeah, yeah. You start flicking it and then like... Hello. Yeah, people like people really enjoy that sound, yeah. yeah I know. So, I you know. know how like scissors, like yeah, know, keeping right? a scissors. Like, 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 <laughs> so good, ah. Uh, right. You've been listening to the Power Nine podcast. Uh, you can find new episodes every week. Powernipodcast.com, mtgcast.com, and iTunes. Uh, you can find us on YouTube. Just all our video stuff that we do. You can also find us on Facebook. Facebook.com/slash Power Nine Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Power 9 Podcast. We show off all our MTG bling. And you can find us on, uh, sorry, I, Instagram. And then you can find us on Twitter at Power 9 Podcast. The 9 is the number 9. Uh, you can find myself at the, on Twitter at The Asian Judge. How about you, Alfian? Mm, you can just find me at the uh, twitch.tv slash scripture. Just any on Facebook, Alfian Poon, whatever. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll accept you probably. Yeah, you can find me uh, streaming games of magic and not magic on twitch.tv slash the Asian Judge. Oh, you stream our Overwatch game to you? Yeah, yeah, I stream. Oh, yeah. shit. So yeah, more people tune into mine than yours. Yeah, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> My stream's not even that, that smooth, man. It's like 30 FPS. No, but the game is on... Th- uh, no, the game's on 60 yeah, FPS. Yeah, but the stream's yeah. on 30 FPS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I try to fix it like... You can't? OBS? Yeah. OBS can allow you to do 60 FPS, man. No, I, yeah. I, 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 uh, no, basically the stream... The stream itself is, six, is uh, 60 FPS. When the game turns on, it comes 30 FPS. I don't know oh, why. Oh, okay. I That's strange. CPU That's strange. usage somehow. But my CPU is... But my rig is pretty good. I don't yeah. sure. It should work. Well... Maybe I did some settings wrong, whatever. Yeah, uh, it might be. It actually might be the settings. Yeah. Uh, finally, you can also watch. I'm gonna plug the other streams that I do on Twitch.tv slash Grey Ogre Games, and uh, yeah, we do real people playing real cards of Magic uh, every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. Yeah. So uh, do join us then. Singapore time, eight p.m. GMT yeah. plus eight. Yeah. Plus eight. Yeah. yeah so uh, yeah. Um, <sighs> Thanks for listening. Uh, we definitely enjoy uh, doing the podcast and we uh, are thankful that you're listening. Thanks, technology. Yeah, thanks, technology. Thanks, internet, for broadcasting this all over the world. Yeah, I mean, like, if, if technology weren't here, right, we'd have to go to a, like a, a, a concert hall or something. Shit, like, no, we got... Talk, talk to a bunch of people, like... Yeah, exactly, yeah. like... Here, uh, friends, Romans, countrymen, let me hear uh, yes, Like every week, we have to go to an empty you know, theater. You know, yeah, em- no, what's the worst part? It's probably gonna be empty. Like, yeah, that's the that's the worst part. <laughs> you know, know. Right? It's like, no, I can't make it on this night. Yeah. Oh well. <laughs> oh well. All right. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys soon. For myself and Alfian, we're signing out. Goodbye, guys. Ciao. I love all of you.